Hold on, girl. Let me take this. Hold on, hold on. Hello? You ain't gotta like me, but you gonna like what I have to say. <laughs> Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode six. It's your girl, Margaret. As always, thank you guys so much for tuning in, pressing play, subscribing, following, fast forwarding, rewinding back because you probably missed some shit. (laughs) Either way, I definitely appreciate the love and support. Today's episode is kind of different for me. I want to talk about grief. Um, For those of you that know or don't know, earlier this year, back in January, I lost my mother. And um, I kind of been wanting to do this episode for a little bit now, but um, I really have struggled with finding the right time. And so I feel like I'm finally in a place where I'm okay with talking about it. Although to be very clear and upfront, you know, I'm still going through it. So yeah, um, today I plan on kind of just giving you guys some background on my loss. Um, I wanted to talk about my stages of grief. And like I said, I'm still a work in progress, so I don't even have a a super long list for you guys. But definitely, I feel like this episode is helpful to anybody who has lost a parent. Maybe even if you know someone that has lost a parent, or maybe you feel like you're on the verge of losing a parent. Either way, I definitely feel like, you know, this could definitely hit home for some people and help people. So the first thing I want to say is, is that the loss of a parent is one of the most emotional things I've ever gone through. Now, I rarely mention it and I really want to think about it, but again, I lost my mother about 10 months ago. Um, For me, 10 months ago feels like 10 minutes ago. Um, I remember the moment I got the call from my older brother. It was really late, like real late night. I mean, it was like super late in New York. and the silence on the phone just made me knew that it was about my mother. It's kind of interesting and weird because I want to say maybe six-ish months before that, um, my mother was in the hospital. Um, she had to, she was getting an amputation. I was going to fly out there. I booked the flight. She insisted I didn't go, canceled the flight. And it's kind of like I felt the energy shift and a disconnect with her. Although that moment did bring us closer and stuff, but um, for me, I felt like her sickness was very, very present, even though others probably didn't even blink an eye. And it's kind of like in that time, I've already prepared myself like for the call without ever even knowing that there would be a call. So the day I got the call, I was, I was shocked. It definitely broke my heart and you know, the one thing I want to say is, is like, it's real life, you know, when you get a call like that. And as much as I was prepared mentally for it, so to speak, when it's happening in that moment, you're not really prepared. You know, you're only, you're only, the only thing you can do is feel. And so that's what I did. Um, the reality is, is that, you know, am I ever going to be okay with this? No. Will I ever be the same? No. I noticed in these 10 months, a lot about me has changed. Um, You know, I don't have the energy to pick up the phone and talk to family members and friends. I mean, and anybody that knows me, especially when I go back home, I'm such a person who's big on family. Like, my family's everything. Family dinners, including them and everything. 
um now I kind of just want nothing to do with it I try my best to like push myself to talk to them but the thing is is that my heart is so heavy my pain is real and I've drowned myself with work my kids but late at night I struggle with my thoughts it's kind of crazy because in the beginning I used to stalk my mother's Facebook page and now I can't even like bother to search her like I can't even click on Facebook memories because it's like literally <laughs> every time I used to post something she was always liking my pictures always under my comments always under my statuses um yeah I mean a lot has changed it's different so I thought today would be really important if I was to talk about my stages of grief now I'm gonna be honest while I've been on my journey through healing I didn't even want to look through Google to me I feel like there really isn't a rule book to grief there really isn't a blueprint and an outline. I mean, there are some guidance, but I mean, I'm telling you, there's no step one through step whatever, you know? So I'm kind of, you know, just thinking back in the last 10 months, I decided to formulate my own stages of grief. And I think anybody that has lost a parent, especially, I mean, even a loved one, anyone, you know, but um, again, this is more for someone that's lost a parent. You know, definitely, I feel like, you know, it's good to like write your shit down and, you know, kind of go through your stages and understand them. So I just wanted to go through that. And again, I'm still a work in progress, but looking at my list, I am at about five stages of grief. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of break them down and how I've managed. So I hope this helps anybody. So for my first stage of grief, um, I went through the stage of numbness. You know, I cried when I learned that my mother died, but I literally only spent like 10 minutes crying before I shifted into planning mode. I had questions about the process. I remember the first two days from the time I got the call until that Wednesday, um, I was wide awake. I got no sleep. And because there was a three hour difference because I'm on the West Coast and they're on the East Coast, I was able to call every funeral home and I started to get bids. And um, I remember I called the medical examiner's office like twice a day. I was trying to get the status of my mother to make sure she was en route. You know, she made it there. Um, I wanted to make sure her autopsy was complete. Um, so that way I'll be able to know when she was available for pickup for the funeral home. Then I started booking my flights, figuring out what to wear at the funeral. I mean, I, I was thinking about a bunch of shit. I treated everything like it was a to-do list. And I think when I was reflecting back on my journey to healing, I realized I was so numb. So that's how come I, I came up with my first stage of grief as numbness. Um, because I treated that entire situation from start to finish like itinerary. I knew I had it real bad when it was the night before my flight. And I went to Walmart. It was like probably 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And I was picking out socks and a bra for her, for her casket. Like, I needed it to be perfect, but yeah, I knew, like, I shouldn't even be doing this shit. Like, I felt like I was supposed to be crying or some shit. <laughs> but instead, I was just so focused on making sure everything was together. And I think part of my numbness came from the fact that I'm 3,000 miles away. I had no control of the situation. So I knew I should try to take control of what little I can. Because I didn't have control of calling 911. I didn't have control of them trying to save her I didn't have control of where she went so I felt like these were some of the things I had control and um because of that 
I was just numb to my pain. I didn't, I didn't even want to deal with the feelings. And I want to let you guys know that being numb to shit is a normal feeling. The benefits, I guess, in the beginning of me being numb to my pain and my hurt was that it was able to, you know, help me get my family in line and organize because while everyone else was feeling, I was busy getting shit together. And in turn, it kind of gave me a sense of peace. For stage number two, um, my stage number two of grief is pain, physical and emotional. For me, pain hits really heavy at different times. I remember, like, connecting in Chicago. I was struggling to eat. Like, it, it wasn't like my routine trip to New York. It was, it, it felt different. It, it felt off. It felt wrong. Um, some background a little bit was that I was scheduled to go to New York in March. Um, had it all planned out, an Airbnb, everything. I was going to do that. My car rental. I was going to go places. Obviously, do dinner with my family. And, you know, everything got shifted unexpectedly. So, um... With that said, when I landed in New York, I was—I remember I was so sick. It was like an anxious kind of sickness. The other thing to note is that last time I saw my mother was in 2017. The year after that, I went to Disneyland. So I couldn't make a trip to New York. So that's why I made up for it by planning the trip this year um, in March. So um, the day of her funeral, the pain really hit me like no other. It was kind of weird because... Um, before going to the funeral home, I had an urge to go see my great-grandmother's gravesite because I felt like I was going to get a sense of courage. And more importantly, I felt like seeing my great-grandmother would have prepared me to see her, if that makes sense. And plus, my great-grandmother, she was so positive, always. She had this perspective on life about having, you know, the best outlook on life, you know. I knew I needed her strength because I knew my pain was going to be real. And I remember seeing my mother finally for the first time. Um, it was very shocking. It was hurtful. She was cold. I, everything about her was cold. And the big thing for me was that she didn't even resemble anything I remembered. I remember I cried like every time I went into the room. The pain hit me harder because what's crazy is, is that um, the room that they put her in at Ortiz was the same room my great-grandmother was put in. So, you know, I'm really big on things aligning for a reason and to this day I feel like that was kind of like the it's gonna be okay you know for my great-grandmother because I, I had to see her before I could go see my mother and then for her to be in the same room that she was in and I mean my grandmother's passed for probably over 10 years so what are the odds you know it's kind of crazy because um a lot of people came to visit that day um the love was real I mean the support was real but um, I remember it was me and my brother, one of our high school friends, and my aunt actually too. We all stayed to the very end, I mean, until they closed the doors, until they started to take off the flowers. Um, it was in that moment where my pain was like no longer for like the regret of not seeing her sooner or the life that she lived or maybe of the things that could have helped her through. Um, but my pain hit different because it was now that that chapter of her in my life was closed, was becoming my reality. So my biggest advice is, is that if you are going through pain, go through it and not around it. I'm still going through my pain. I want to be clear too. Like when I say that chapter of her in my life is closed, 
I mean, I know a lot of people say, oh, you know, she's gone, but not forgotten. You know, she's with you in spirit. And I'm going to tell you like this. All of that to me is bullshit. The reality is, is that when her casket closed and those doors closed, she was gone. And in the 10 months, I don't feel her presence. I don't feel her next to me. The reality is, is that when I pick up that phone and I call the house phone, she doesn't answer it. When I text her, she doesn't text back. So, yeah, that chapter is closed. And it is a reality. People will tell you fairy tale things to help you to feel better, to try to make you seem like it's going to be okay. But it's not okay. So, yeah, it is a reality. And, I mean, you know, I'm just... Y'all know I keep it real. <laughs> Y'all know I keep it real on here. And so with that said, I want you guys to understand that there is no presence. There is no indicators. There's not going to be this shining light that comes from the sky one day or in your dream. You know, that person is gone, whether we want to face it or not. But as long as you go through the pain and you face the reality, you're going to get through shit. So for my third stage of grief, I went through anger. Um... I spent some time being angry. I was angry at things that came to light, angry at people not understanding my hurt, my pain, angry at things that I could have changed, angry at my stubbornness, my regret. Ultimately, I turned my anger towards her. And then I turned my anger to God for not giving her more chances, giving her an opportunity to become a better person. And I think it's really important for us to understand that being angry is normal because especially when somebody goes and we have so many questions that will never get answered, you can't help but to be mad. And I don't want to give away too much information because it's personal, but the things I found out after the fact is what made me angry. So because of that, you know, I have so many unanswered questions that I'm never going to know the answer to. And I think with time... I'm going to be able to learn how to, to let it go. But right now, I'm not ready to do that. But I'm dealing with it, you know. But like I said, it takes time. I told you, I'm still a work in progress. For my fourth stage of grief is distraction. Um, recently, I have went through a personal family matter, which some of y'all know about, which led me to, like, protesting. I, I mean, I ended up doing amazing things, actually, meeting with the Congress. For me, I distracted myself with work and my movement. But, and I know this is kind of sidetracking, but when I was going through that personal matter, I, I think my grief really got the best of me because even through whatever bullshit I went through my mother, like, I felt like I needed to have called her and told her everything that was happening. And just to hear that it's going to be okay. And even though everyone else told me it's going to be okay, it didn't mean shit to me because it wasn't her telling me it's okay. But um, with that said... I distracted myself a lot with work, my movement, then my podcast. Um, I thought that if I just never had to revisit the feelings of hurt and pain that I went through in January, I can just get over it. And I want you to understand that distraction is a temporary solution, you know, until your mind gets the best of you. You know, sometimes we will like distract ourselves out of fear of feeling these feelings. You know, sometimes I'll go out with my friends, I'll be drinking. So I don't have to face the pain. I'll bury myself in my closet recording a bunch of episodes that don't even get released because I'm like, I'm keeping myself busy. Pick up more clients for my business so I don't have to deal with shit. 
do a bunch of stuff with my kids so I don't have to even be in my mind. And I think it's okay to distract yourself to a certain extent, you know? Recently, I knew I needed to change that and it's kind of what inspired this episode, to be honest. My final stage of grief for me is um, space. And this one's kind of big. My relationship with my family is not the same. Some people I talk to here or there, and some people I don't even talk to at all. Um, I'm really distant, and I think because I feel like no one understands what I'm going through. Like, no one ever has, like, asked me, how do I feel? Like, how am I healing? You know, it's crazy because people know how to show up to a funeral, and they'll be there in their best outfit, but then when the funeral's over, they move on. And then there's people like me who's left to deal with moving forward with this pain. You know, it's people like me that have to sit back and, you know, face the fact that I can't text my mother. I can't call my mother while everybody else is so self-consumed in their regular day-to-day life. It kind of pisses me off. You know, the reality is, is that when people lose someone very near and dear to them, we have to deal with it. We're the ones that's really affected by this. Yeah, you might be hurt for a little bit, but you're never going to be as hurt as I am, you know? And I think that's kind of why I have my distance and that's why I have my space because I feel like I just don't want to talk about everyday things with people. Not when I know, like, I don't have my mother to do that with. I don't want to deal with that. I don't, you know? And aside from the distance, sometimes I really, I just don't have the energy to talk to people. Like, it's just too much work. Like, I struggle with, like, the idea of living my life completely with, like, no hesitations, knowing, like, she's not around to do the same. Like, how is that fair? You know? And then the thing is, it's like, my pain is present. And my heart, it aches. And talking to familiar people are only a reminder of what I lost. So I don't want to do that. I feel like when I talk to my family, it just brings up memories of her. Memories that we've shared. Memories... Or conversations like I just don't want to do that and I just can't even fathom how some of these people have just moved on I, I don't understand like it's crazy because this whole entire summer I did nothing like I didn't plan a trip I didn't want to do shit I mean I did small stuff but like you know if you guys you know personally the people that know me personally yeah know like I, I mean, I probably would have been in Portland a bunch of times with my kids. We would have went to a million places. I just, I didn't have the energy for it. And, you know, I'm finally getting to a place of doing that, you know, but I don't know. I just don't understand how people have moved on so quickly. Like I said, 10 months feels like 10 minutes ago to me. Like it just, it takes too much work to talk to people about regular shit to me. It just does. So I I just keep my space. My space is my peace. And my space is my form of happiness. It is. I mean, so that's my stages of grief. I do have plans to heal, though. If y'all follow me on IG, I've been very into my mindfulness. I love my sermons by Robert Madu. If y'all looking for somebody to make you laugh away your pain, um, I love Robert Madu. Um, He's so dope. And... I think that's why I'm constantly always laughing and joking and smiling because, you know, it, it helps me heal my pain. It does. It truly does. It really does. Um, so I want to continue my mindfulness and my spirituality and my religion, all that good stuff. Um, 
The one big thing that I am planning is before the holidays is what I call a breakdown. Um, I'm dedicating time to just spending one night. I told myself all I need is one night because I don't feel like I don't feel like I should dwell and drag it out because of my mental health. But I plan on spending one night remembering my mother. I want to feel like every emotion and just own it. You know, so if I'm mad, I want to feel anger. If I'm sad, I want to feel sadness. I just want to feel everything. Um, The reason why is because I recently booked my trip back home to New York in March, which will be over a year out from when I lost her. Um, I couldn't see myself coming out there at the year mark because I feel like it would just be too heavy for me. Um, But I need to do this breakdown because I need to be mentally prepared for seeing her. For the first time. See, the thing is, is that um, what sucks about being 3,000 miles away is that everybody else has access to her. I don't. So I just want to be able to deal. So that's my plan. I want to do a breakdown. And then the third thing for my plan to heal is I want to accept that I'm never going to be whole again. You know, everybody tries their best after something so traumatic like losing a parent, losing a loved one, losing a child, a spouse, significant other that um, they try to make themselves whole again. And the reality is, is that I'm never going to be whole again. You know, I have my kids who I love them down. And I mean, they fill every part of my being. But I'm always going to be missing something. And I need to accept that I'm never going to be whole again. But because I'm not whole again, it doesn't fully make me incomplete. It doesn't mean I'm empty. It just means I'm not whole again. And I also want to just get to a point where I'm okay with living my life without my mother you know not feel the guilt not feel the anger and resentment of all of that so that's kind of like my plans to heal my final thoughts though and I mean this is real talk I know I've preached we should learn how to forgive let go and move on sometimes cut off but I've got to a point in my relationship with my mom that the hurt she caused me overshadowed the love I have for her I tried so many times to reason with the hurt. Ultimately, I thought distance was going to be the best way to manage the hurt. I went weeks to months without speaking to my mother. But I always vowed to see her when I visit. So, I mean, that was always my thing. I've always made sure I visit her when I'm there. And, I mean, this is kind of personal to me, but I want to share it. Um, Five days, literally, before my mother passed, she asked me on Facebook Messenger to video chat her. And I remember I replied, I was like, tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm so busy. Then um, the next day, she asked to see us again on Facebook Messenger. I told her, no, I was working. You know, it's not a good time. We'll catch up over the weekend or something. The reality is, is that I really could have made the time. But because I had so much anger and pain, I let it get the best of me. I had like already vowed to myself that, look, you know, this you know, this relationship is is hurting me. This relationship is detrimental to my mental health. So I need my space. I need to distance myself from it. And it's one of the things I have to live with. My anger towards my mother was suppressed. And the use of distance as a resolution has cost me big time. Like, I know we can't save everyone. I know we have toxic family members that we have to disconnect from to save our own sanity. But you have to ask yourself at what price. Because the reality is, is that distance is temporary, but death is forever. 
I think it's important for us to think twice before being so angry. I think a big takeaway for me is is that self-care doesn't always mean we have to cut people off. People really aren't promised. I know it's hard to reason with people all the time. I know it's difficult to have to tolerate people, especially when they hurt you. But if I could go back in time, I'd rather have tolerated her and reasoned with her than not being able to deal with her at all. It's just something to think about. To the people out there who have lost a parent, I want you to know that I know you're not okay. I know you're lonely and I know you're misunderstood. I know you're going through the stages of probably jealousy and envy of people who have their mothers or who are just living their life like it's normal. And it's okay. And to the people who have not lost a parent, I would say make sure you love your parent. You know, resolve any issues you may have with them. And more importantly, I, I feel like this is really big. If anybody out there, if you know someone who has lost a parent, like check on them. Be sensitive. And I think the big thing for me is, just to kind of end this off, is that I need people to understand that there is a hierarchy when it comes to grief. Sorry, not sorry. And what my mother was to me, she's not what she is to a cousin, to a sibling, to an aunt, to an uncle, to a grandparent. That's just how I feel. And I think people need to understand and recognize that no one will ever be able to relate to my pain until they've actually felt my pain. And at times, people will get lost in their own grief but not realize that your pain is not my pain ever until you lose someone of value that I have lost. I thank y'all for letting me be transparent today. And I thank y'all for pressing play and listening. And I do ask y'all though not to send me any voice messages. I feel like these are just one of those episodes that it speaks for itself. But again, I thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. And I will definitely catch you guys on the next one. Mm -hmm.